Okay, so today we'll um, start the study of Levinas' um, Talmudic reading about, about the woman and this will occupy us for the next uh, three sessions including, including this one so I'll, I'll just um, pass you through the, the text um, so just pick, take one and, and uh, Let's uh, first read the Talmudic passage the way we did last time, and uh, it, it's, a qui- it's quite a long Talmudic passage this, t- this time, and uh, as you will see, it's a very um, how to say can okay we'll just we'll just read the passage and then I'll just pick up your impressions. Um, <coughs> so. So, so, please, could someone just um, do the reading? Just you know, uh, d- you know, we'll just we'll just do the reading in order to have it in mind. If if you don't follow everything, because it's a quite a complex text, don't be f- do, you know don't be um, uh, uh, afraid or um, um, yeah, because um, Levinas will 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 decompose the text and then we'll. We'll study it piece by piece, and then things will get together. But in order for us to have a sense of what we are dealing with, what is the theme we are dealing with, just we'll we'll do a reading, and uh, without too much commenting on it, and then we'll we'll go immediately to to Levinas. So so please, uh, somebody, thank you. Why in the Lord God made man is made by Yitzhak written with two years. The Holy One, blessed be He, created two incarnations, the good and the bad. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak objected, if this is so, then it means that the animal which He made, Vayitzer, where Vayitzer is not written with two years, does not have good and evil inclinations, though we can see that an animal can destroy, bite, and kick. It must then be interpreted, the two years must be interpreted, as Rav Simeon ben Pazi did. For Rav Simeon ben Pazi said, Woe is me because of my Creator. Woe is me because of my own evil inclination. Or one must even interpret in the manner of Rav Jeremiah ben Eleazar. For Rav Jeremiah ben Eleazar said, Two faces to the Holy One 
blessed be he created in the first man. For isn't it written, you hedge me before and behind, you lay your hand upon me. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman, literally built into a woman, the rib which he had taken from man. Rab and Samuel are talking. One said, it, the rib, was a face. The other said, it was a tail. For the one who said it was a face, the text, you hedge me before and behind, presents no difficulties. But what does the one who maintains that it is a tail do with the text? We must acknowledge that he thinks like Rab Ami, for Rab Ami said, behind means the last one created, before means the first one to be punished. All right, as far as the last one created goes, for man was not created until Shabbat Eve itself, but as far as the first one to be punished, which punishment are you referring to? Would it be the one imposed after the story of the snake? Don't we have a Tosefta, Rabbi said. In conferring our honor, we start with the greatest, in cursing with the least important. In conferring honor, we start with the greatest, for it is written. Moses said to Aaron, as well as to Eleazar and Itamar, his surviving sons, Take the meal offering that is left over from the Lord's offerings, and eat it unleavened beside the altar, for it is most holy. To curse, one begins with the least, for the serpent was cursed first, then Eve, and finally Adam. The priority of man in the matter of sanctions could then only refer to the flood. For it is written, God wiped out all the creatures on the face of the earth, both man and cattle, first man, then the beasts. He who says that rib means face is in accord with the two yuds of Vayitzir. What does the one for whom rib means tail make of the two yuds of Vayitzir? He must follow the lesson of Rab Shimon ben Pazi, for Rab Shimon ben Pazi said that the two yuds of Vayitzir meant Woe is me on account of my Creator. Woe is me on account of my evil inclination. He who says that rib means face is in agreement with the text that says, Male and female, he made them simultaneously. What does the one for whom rib means tail make of male and female, he made them simultaneously? One must follow the lesson of Rabbi Abahu. For Rabbi Abahu objected, it is written, he created them male and female, and it is written, man was made in the image of God. How is it possible? He first had a mind to create two, and in the end created only one. He who said that Rizmi's face can agree with the text, and he closed up the place with flesh. What does the one for whom Rizmi's tail make of it? Rav Jeremiah, and according to others, Rav Zavid, and according to others, Rav Nachman Bar. The flesh was necessary only at the place of the cut. He who said that red means rib means tail can be in accord with the formulation, and the Lord God fashioned the rib that he had taken from man into a woman. What does the one for whom rib means face do with it? Here one must follow Rabbi Simon ben Manasiah. Rabbi Simon ben Manasiah taught for the text, he fashioned the rib into woman. It has to be understood that the Holy One, blessed be he, plaited Eve's hair into braids and took her to Adam, for in other countries the braid is called binyata, building. 
Another explanation, Rabbi Chisla said, and others said, that it was taught in a Baraita, that text teaches us that the Holy One, blessed be He, made Eve like a granary. For just as the granary is narrow at the top and large at the bottom to hold the harvest, so woman is narrow at the top and large at the bottom to hold the child. And he brought her to man. Rav Yirmiyahu ben Eliezer said, This teaches us that the Holy One, blessed be he, acted as best man to Adam. Here the Torah wants to teach rules of behavior. A great one should act as best man for someone lesser, without feeling any resentment. According to those who say that rib means face, who walks ahead? The feminine or the masculine aspect. Rav Nachman ben Yitzchak said, It is reasonable to suppose that the man walks ahead, for there is a baraita, a man does not walk behind a woman, even if it is his own wife, on the road. And even if he finds himself on a bridge with her, she should be beside him, and whoever walks behind a woman when crossing a, wind, a river will have no part in the future world. There is a baraita. If a man gives money to a woman, from his hand to hers, with the intention of looking at her, he will not escape the law of hell even if he is full of Torah and of good actions. Like Moses, our teacher, for it is written, Put your hands up, hand up. The evil man does not remain unpunished. Literally from hand to hand, the evil man will not remain unpunished. He will not escape the condemnation to hell that he deserves. Rav Nachman said, and Manoach was an Amha'aras, lacking in culture. For it is written, and Manoach rose and followed his wife. Rav Nachman Bar Yossi objected to him. Bar Yitzchak. It's written Bar Yossi? Bar Yossi. It's a mistake. It should be Bar Yitzchak. Objected to him. Then Elchanah should be treated in the same fashion. Isn't it said, and Elchanah followed his wife? And similar, similarly for Elisha, isn't it written, and he arose and followed her? It's not a question of following in the literal sense of the term, but follow her words and her advice. Similarly for Manoach. Rav Ashi said Rav Nachman wanted to say that Manoach does not even go to beginner's school. For it is said in Genesis 24:61, Then Rivka and her maids arose, mounted the camels, and followed the man. Followed, not preceded the man. Rabbi Yochanan said, Behind a lion and not behind a woman. Behind a woman and not behind an idol worshiper behind an idol worshiper and not behind a synagogue on the side opposite the entrance when the community is praying. In any case, this last point is valid only for him that finds himself without a burden. If he bears a burden, it is not so. And this point applies only if there are no other doors. If there is another door, it is not so. And this applies only if he is not mounted on a donkey. And if he is on the back of a donkey, it is not so. And this applies only if he's not wearing tefillin. If he wears tefillin, it is not so. Okay, thank you very much. So this is, a, again, a very difficult text. And maybe um, a text which um, can, at some, by some, some parts of it, can uh, seem to you scandalous. Um, at least the, the, la, the, the last um, last part of the of this Gemara um, is very hard to to read. 
without commentary. Uh, and, and I I hesitated to bring the text, even though I announced it last week, and I decided to 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 that the challenge is worth a try, because this is this is of course a text which deals with a very difficult issue, which is the question of um, the creation of the woman, and God created woman, and 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 the text at least again if we read it like as it presents itself, um, unless you've, you you didn't got anything of, a, of it, you, you, you can feel that it smells not good. <laughs> uh, I, I would say, if I was a feminist, I would be very, very upset by such a text. Okay? And again, at least, the, the, I'm not saying I'm not a feminist, but I'm saying that, that like, it, there is something which which is really um, difficult for our sensibilities today, um, and and so so again I, I didn't know if to bring the text, and I think it's worth to 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 take the challenge and to try to read the Levinas commentary about the text, because he will um, deploy a lot of energies in trying to make sense of this text, which again uh, taking literally um, and. I guess not everything of the text was, was can be understood by like this um, first reading, but you will see that the more we 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 study it and we try to decompose it, um, it it is a text which has to be interpreted and Levinas interprets it, interprets it, and maybe and maybe that's the challenge. He um, he managed to make sense of it. So that's the challenge I invite you to, to take with me. And I would say because it's a, it's a very difficult text and it's a very burning subject, I will ask you um, to, in a way, suspend your judgment. Okay? Be before um, judging, and of course nobody should accept anything uh, as for granted, but before judging, both the text we have just read and Levinas' commentary, let's try to understand. Afterwards, we can we'll hold, we'll, we'll have all our lives to 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 you know to, to see if, if we if we can live with it, if it's a viable interpretation, if this text can be saved. Okay, let's let's put it this way: Can such a text be saved? Can we make meaning? Can we make sense out of this? Uh, out of this text, because the easiest thing to do would be well to say this is a primitive text. It is outdated. It 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 it's just it has conceptions of the woman which are outrageous, which are scandalous. Um, a man shouldn't go beyond a woman. A woman shouldn't uh, uh, talk to a man. Should not give money to you know all those all those parts. So again, it's the easiest things would, would be to just discard the text and just to say to forget it or to read it as a as a kind of pre-historic uh, text, archaic text, uh, primitive text. The more more difficult uh, thing would would be to try to make sense out of it. Maybe something here is said. Maybe the sages. Maybe the chachamim in their very, very strange way of dealing with those subjects, have something to say to us, even today, through this 
um, to this text, which is again, uh, at least at first sight, uh, scandalous. So that, that, that's my little introduction, and let's ju jump immediately to the uh, to Levinas' commentary. Did, did you? Maybe I'll ask you first. Did you get something of the text? Is it, is it very difficult? Is it? Um, could you follow a little bit the, the line of argumentation, or was it a little bit too far, fast? I couldn't follow the face and the tail. Yeah, the the tail and the face. Okay. Okay, that which is a very important part of the. We'll we'll get to it. Okay. We'll get to it. But they, they, that's one of the big debates between Rav and uh, uh, and Yuda. Um, whether the um, the tsela, um, which means the rib, literally, was face or 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 uh, or tail, but we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. So the text could be. Could be divided could could be divided in, in three in three parts and the when the first part deals with um, a, an, with a grammatical anal uh, anal uh, anomaly sorry which with, with a with a writing mistake okay, and that's the, that's that's around this the whole Talmudic uh, reading revolves in in Genesis um, in Genesis in the verse about the creation of man, Genesis 2.7, it is written, Vayetzer Ashdonai Elohim et Hada. Now, Vayetzer should be written this way. Vayetzer with one use. Now, in the text, it's written with two use. That's 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 our problem. That's the that's the the anomaly from which the rabbis start their their interrogation. Okay. Now you you see that it's very it's very similar, at least in the in the, the, the style uh, as what we've seen when we studied the uh, Gemara in uh, in Shabbat. Remember, it all started by uh, uh, grammatical ana ana anomaly. It's, they said when and Israel were. Underneath the mountain, and the rabbis asked, "But what does it mean that they were underneath the mountain?" And then they had this this commentary about the mountain being uh, inverse uh, under it. So, so here it starts from the same the same spirit. Okay, we have to understand what those two youths, this writing mistake means, because of course the text cannot. There is no writing mistakes. In the sacred text, that's the that's the presupposition. Okay, it's, it's it's divinely inspired. If there is an anomaly, it means that there is something to learn out of it. And here we are faced with two, three, with three uh, interpretations of what the, those two youths could signify. The first interpretation is the one of Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak. Let's open um, on page. 164, where we have the text. Rav Nachman says, The Lord God made man um, with two inclinations, the good and the bad. And um, again, it's, 
it's a little. We have to do a little bit of, uh, of Hebrew, uh, of, of, of Hebrew uh, um, uh, etymology. Et, et, etymology. Yes, it's so. It's two inclinations. Yes, yes, But that's the. You know, that's the the the, the, the double duty here is to say well there is yes a good inclination and a bad inclination. So. So the youth just comes in order to say, okay, good and bad inclination. Where inclination is spelled in, in Hebrew, yetzer. Yetzer tov and yetzer ra. So vayitzer, it actually refers to this double nature in man, those two in one. There are two little. You know, when we study it in school, so they represent it as like two little... You have this sometimes in cartoons, when you have those two, yeah, the two devils, the, 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 the devil, well, a little angel and a little devil, and they are like fighting. So, first definition of, of human, of the human, because this is actually what we are talking about, and this is the first point which should be uh, emphasized, should be highlighted, this text deals with the definition of the human. What is it to be human? We are dealing with a, with a verse uh, about the creation of man. So, so the rabbis here are trying to understand what is it to be human? What is it to be human? First answer, the answer of Rabbi Nachman, well, to be human means to be torn between our good inclination and our bad inclination. That's, that's what humanity is about. Humanity is about this constant dilemma, this constant being torn between these two in oneness, which makes us complex beings, beings who can make choices, who decide about their lives, who can do the, do the good, can do the bad. This is, this is humanity. Not bad as a first definition. I think we would agree with, the, with, this, with this opinion. Let's, let's, let's just read how Levinas uh, comments on this first opinion. It's, this time I made it easier for you, and you have on the copies a little science where, where we do the reading. So it's on page 165, the, the A... Um, Passage A, so Levinas writes, What is the human being? The fact that a being is two... You, you have it? It's on page 165. Here, it's, it's written A. Okay. So, what is the human being? So you see how Levinas here reads this text as a text dealing with the question of the nature of the human. The, human. the fact that a being is two while remaining one. A division, a rupture in the depths of his substance, or simply consciousness and choice. Life at the crossroads between two possibilities, between two tendencies which exclude or oppose each other. Consciousness and liberty would be the definition of man, in short, 
reason. So that's our starting point. Man is reason. Man is choice. Man is liberty. Man is this constant being two in one. I can choose, I have an inclination for the good, for the bad, and now my humanity is expressed through the choices I will, I will do, through the facts that I have a choice. Okay, you can always turn the definition upside down and say only this creature which have a choice is called human. We'll see that that will be important for the objection in a, in, in a moment, but that's that's the first definition. And look how Levinas um, draw a kind of uh, um, not a parallel, but but identify consciousness, liberty, and reason. Consciousness, liberty, and reason. Those three elements are one and the same. Those three elements for Levinas means that we are two in one. Maybe it is reminiscent of the tem temptation of temptation we have that with in the first part of this of this seminar um, to be two in one, to be three in one, to be manifold, to be multiple. You remember this this definition of Levinas of multiplicity. Take one. You'll see. You have um, take one of uh, each page. Okay, there are several. And now comes an objection. Rav Nachman Bar objected. I'm continuing with the uh, passage from the Gemara. Rav Nachman Bar objected. If this is so then does this mean that the animal which he made, Vayitzer, another verse where this term occurs, Vayitzer, but this time with one mute, does not have good and evil inclinations? So we can see that an animal can destroy, bite and kick. Now I want to stop one moment with this objection which is very very interesting because I think we wouldn't, we wouldn't intuitively. This is not what we would ask. In order to, you know, to challenge this this definition of of, of the human, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak is challenging Rav Nachman Bar Chizda's opinion based on again a textual fact: the fact that for animals it is written Vayitzer with one yud. So, animals have instincts, they don't, they don't have choices. Good very good, very good, uh, very good remark. So you say, what are you talking about, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzhak? You are you're objecting to, to the objection. What's the... the fr from point of view of our human observations, what you are saying is of course true. You are saying it from the point of view of our human observations. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak has another observation. He says, 
though we can see that an animal can destroy, bite and kick. Notice that he doesn't say that an animal can both love, be good, uh, be faithful and kick, bite. And he doesn't say that they, that they have both qualities. As if the fact that, that as if the goodness of animals was not put here into question. The goodness of animals was a kind of obvious fact. Well, we see that they can also destroy, bite and kick. From where I deduce that they have evil inclination. From where do you know that they have a good inclination? At least from the text, we, sh we have to, we have to, to say, well, for, for Abnachman Bitzchak, it's obvious that animals have good inclinations. Now you are saying, well, but it's not Yetzer and Yetzer It's instincts. It's instincts. So what is the text trying to say? While referring to animality, to bestiality, to the animal world, maybe this text, and this is what we will see in a moment, Levinas will suggest, maybe this text is trying to <coughs> to suggest that this freedom of choice, consciousness, this being torn between good and evil in the sense of a good inclination and a bad inclination is something shared by humans and animals. In other way, maybe it's not what the definition of humanity. Maybe consciousness and choice is not what defines humanity. And Levinas pushes this idea one step further and he says sometimes sometimes choice inclinations etc reason can be put at the service of bestiality sometimes humans through this kind of being torn between good and evil between good and bad inclination through their inclination can put reason at the service of bestiality of animality sometimes consciousness is not what distinguishes the human but what transforms the human into a beast in this sense in this sense Good and bad inclination is something which can be identified with bestiality. Yes. Also, just uh, textually, they didn't eat. I think they had the. They didn't yet uh, eat from the knowledge of good and evil. So, if we they were created with Yetzer Tov and Ra, we're still the same as animals, possibly, and we still have animals like. Until we have that knowledge between good and evil, we're following our inclinations, which are sometimes good inclinations, sometimes bad inclinations, like an animal does. 
and so to take it away from them. What, what that would mean is that an animal would never have the instinct or the inclination to kick or bite and then have a second uh, thought that it is better not to, the knowledge that actually I don't want to do that. So an animal can love and hate or something like that, but never do the second thinking, the doubling of controlling it with the knowledge of good and evil. So, so you are saying that Yetzirah and Yetzirah Tov, good and bad inclination, is, can be also instinctive. Good and bad inclination seems like the objection is saying that, like you're saying, we don't hear where the good comes from, but we know that they can be bad, assuming that they have good also. Yeah, the inclination to do good and bad is the same in man and animals until we have the knowledge of consciousness or the reason of good and bad. So that's problematic from the point of view of Levinas texts, okay? Because Levinas um, identify consciousness, liberty and reason with good and bad, with this being torn between good and bad, between the good and the bad. So, so now you, but you the start. But also ends up uh, disregarding, right? We, we're going to disregard this argument. So it's just the first argument. No. Do the two years mean yetzer? Two different yetzer in? No. And someone says, yeah, that's what the two years mean. The next person says, that can't be what they mean because I think animals also have it, so there's nothing special mm-hmm. that humans have that's different yeah. from um, mm-hmm. inclination of good and evil. So it must be something else. So it's a argument that's going to be discarded, but just to make sure that we don't think that the only difference between us and animals is that we do both good and evil, that we have an inclination to do both good and evil. If reason is the next step of deciding not to do evil. And again, if we don't have a choice, like again, living us is going to... Uh, so we, we only do good, right? A human being we learned in Temptation of Temptation that really humanity is only choosing the good. But to be able to choose is a step beyond the inclination of good and evil. So reason is the next step, even if loving us is... A well, the, the Talmud does not go this way. It doesn't say that reason is this, what singularizes humanity after having tested the, the, the double inclination hypothesis. It doesn't go this way. Okay? It doesn't it does go complete other direction. But it goes, it doesn't go that way, but it points out that, I'm saying the second paragraph points out that that's a way that you could think. No, where? He says, well, if the two years mean uh, inclination of good and evil, then animals would tell you, then it should be the scene in animals too, but it's not. So that's his argument, is that that's not what the two years are. That's what Nachman by Yitzhak is saying. This is not correct. Yeah. Yes, I told is not correct. Indeed, but the question is why is it not correct? Why can't we define humanity as being torn between good and bad? So you are saying that it's because... Well, we kind of... One moment, one moment, one moment. I I heard you, now let me continue. You say because inclination can be identified with bestiality. You said that where do you find in animals this... This, this capacity of being torn between good and, and bad. So actually, you are you are you are reading text in two complete opposite directions. I don't think so. 
So where did I because, misunderstand you? Because what I agree with what the spirit of what I 100% agree with the spirit of what she said, which is objecting to animals having a choice. And I think that the text doesn't say yetzer means choice, it means inclination. Inclination means the tendency to do something, good or bad. We both can do good and bad things. No, in the Talmud, so now it's a question of, and here Levinas is, is very um, in phase with the Talmud, when the Talmud speaks, and that's how we, we speak about it also, in, that's the religious language we know, when we speak about Yetzer Tov and Yetzer Ra, <coughs> we mean that, that there is, that we, are, we have two, two inclinations, which are not instinctive in the sense that an animal can do good and good, do bad and it won't be uh, held accountable for it. When we say that humans have two inclinations, we say that if you, if you follow your bad inclination, you will be accountable of it. Why? Because you are responsible, because you can do the choice. Okay? If you can have a choice, then it's not about instincts. Okay? Whenever you can make a choice, it's not about instinct. The surprising thing about Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak is that he seems to attribute this also to, to the beasts. That also with animals, okay, they have good and evil inclinations, not in the sense of instincts, neither in the sense of the second degree reflection. It's not, no, nowhere in the text is it talked about this. And the Talmud is not very worried about the fact that it's before they have eaten from the fruit or, or after they have eaten from the fruit. They are now trying to think through the question of humanity with what they have. Okay? And it's not about the chronology of trying to read the text as it is. Okay? It's, it's a kind of reconstruction of the text and trying to think the meaning of the creation of man. So, yes. I just, um, to compare the two, I'm sorry, I have that cold. Um, About? I have that cold, I'm sorry. sorry Me too, I think. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the commonality, the only thing I can think of between humans and animals, a behaviorist would say that humans and animals, every choice you make is based on past experience and reinforcement history. Okay. So that, yes, there's good and bad inclinations, but you're going to choose to do either good or bad that based on your past experience and reinforcement history and animals then choose to kick or not kick based on their past reinforcement history and that's going to determine what they do and that's the commonality if you're a pure behaviorist. Levinas is not a behaviorist and I think rabbis are not behaviorists at all because the problem with behaviorism is that, that you can't be accountable of choices that you do um, because you are conditioned to do them. But that doesn't, that, that, that wouldn't apply to animals anyway. Animals are different. They have different types of reactivity and you can't compare a dog with a lion. So what's in common though among humans domesticated animals or passive animals, more aggressive animals, is that they all have one thing in common. They can react in manners that are very destructive or very 
passive and constructive. So I think what's being introduced in here initially is those, the two very concepts that I just mentioned, but maybe Levinas can go more in depth. And well, Rav Nachman is not doing National Geographics. That's that's what no I, I hear you, and and I and just I'm sorry remind me of your names because Passy Passy okay so um, so so what Passy is saying and what remind you of me of your name Elizabeth Elizabeth okay I'm sorry I have some uh, um, you are you are trying the, the the this text is not about trying to describe the nature the natural uh, he, the natural features of animals. It's a weird text. It tries to bring us proof from verses. So it's, so one has to when reading this this text uh, and that's that's the way I think Levinas reads it and I think it's a good way of reading it. One should not try to find in those texts what we already know or try to fit what is written in the text with some knowledge we have of, hum of, of animals. There is here a surprising moment where, where Rab Nachman Baritzrak says, well, actually, and that's the objection, actually, from this perspective, evil inclination, good inclination, animals and men are the same. Now let's try to make sense out of it because and that's that's the that's the challenge here to make sense of something which at first hand does not does not doesn't make sense doesn't make sense. So either you say such as you say you say well it's about the both both men and animals before it's adapt they have instincts and in sense they have two inclinations bad and good but it's just like it's reaction it's. They are part of nature, they are just reacting, etc., etc. Now, I claim that's not the case. That can't be the case. Because when the Talmud speaks of Yetzeratov and Yetzerara, it always speaks about two inclinations which are... Uh, 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 which men, which, which are the, the, the living, uh, how do you say, being torn of, uh, inside of, the, uh, of humanity. What Levinas describes, it's about... It's not about reaction. Yetzeratov v'yetzerara means you are in front of, you can be in front of two two options, and now you have you have an inclination who says who says to you, well, uh, you should uh, I don't know, you should do this, and then you have an inclination who says no, you should do that, and now you are facing a moral dilemma. Basically, that's what the rabbis say when they speak about yetzeratov and yetzerara. Means that 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 humanity is about being able to face moral dilemmas, sometimes failing to, 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 to accomplish the good and sometimes accomplishing the good. And every time again and again it's, it's, a, it's, it's a kind of challenge. Okay. Again, that's how the rabbi speaks when they speak about Yetzirah. I don't know any place in the Talmud where Yetzirah is used in terms of animal inclination. So what is so what Rab Nachman Baritzchak says should be should be taken to the other side. Maybe it's not that humans are like animals, but maybe that animals are sometimes like humans, meaning that this being torn between the good and, and the bad can does not really grasp 
the definition of of humanity. Let's just read how Levinas um, um, interprets this this moment, and he, he has very very fine uh, very fine reading of it. So he, it's just on, on the passage uh, with the B and the on the side. Levinas says, if man is a reasonable animal, and that's how that's how the Greeks a lot of times defined uh, the human, a reasonable animal. Zon lochum, an animal that can speak, an animal that can reason. That's a zon. A zon means mean an animal. If man is a reasonable animal, reason can in fact pin itself unto animality. There is no unbridgeable distance, no incompatibility between animality and reason. Why? Because reason can put itself at the service of bestiality and the instincts. It can put itself at the service of bestiality and instincts. Reason as such is not what defines the human because reason, it's, uh, reason as such does not say anything about something which is beyond animality, which can be unilaterally said to be beyond animality. Sometimes, sometimes, our reason is at the service of bestiality. Therefore, reason is not the essence of the human. Okay, now, now let, let's take one step back and try to, to, to understand what le, the, 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 the Chochmah of Levinas here. He says, well, if reason, if reason can be at the service of bestiality, and this I don't think I have to give you illustration of how this can happen, we see this happening all the time. The worst things happen by being reason, reasoned. If you want, and I'll go really to the extreme, I'll go really to the extreme. Um, in Nazi Germany, okay, the extermination was, had, had some reason. It, there was a way of giving of, of making sense in, 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 in terms of you no know, reason of, of the extermination of the Jewish people you would say it's a it's, it's a perverse reason it's a, it's a criminal reason maybe but but man can that's what Devinas says when he says that reason can put itself at the service of bestiality and the instincts in other words instincts can be justified Instinct can be reasoned, can be rationalized. Okay. So to say that reason is what does the subject, to say that reason is the essence of humanity, is very, very dangerous. Because if this is true, then we have a definition of human which is completely neutral morally speaking. And this is something Levinas doesn't want. Levinas 
is looking for a definition of the human which is deeply ethically committed. committed. Reason does not suffice for it. Reason can turn to bestiality. Of course, reason can be, can be at the service of the highest uh, uh, goods and aspirations of, uh, of man. But it can also be at the service of bestiality. Therefore, saying that man is a reasonable animal is not sufficient in order to give an ethical definition of, of man. Philosophy does it. Philosophy a lot of times gives a neutral definition of man. I would say the definition of national geographics. What's the, different, the difference between man and the animal? Well, man can is, has, has reason. It's, a, it's an animal but with reason. Levinas says, maybe that's, that's, that's a good definition of the human. Maybe that's a Again, for National Geographics, it can, it can work, because that's what we see. But if I want to give a definition of the human which is deep, uh, if I want to, to point at the, at the difference in ethical terms, if I want to distinguish the human by means of an ethical distinction, then reason is not enough. And this would be the objection of Nachman Bar Yitzchak. Of course, it's Divinas is doing a very powerful uh, exegesis, a very powerful um, a commentary on, on this pa uh, passage, but it is it, it has its words its words because it says something essential. It says something essential. Okay. There is no unbridgeable distance, no incompatibility between animality and reason. Why? Because reason can put itself at the service of bestiality. And as you mentioned, this opinion, the opinion of Rav Nachman, son of Rav Chizda, is discarded. We'll see now two other opinions which will not be discarded. Okay? And and you know the Talmud is the Talmud is, is very is, is a very open text. The, the Talmud is a text which can, uh, which can, in, which includes a lot of different opinions. Doesn't always feel the need to to confront opinions or to decide which opinion is the best one. But here we have a, a very um, obvious reading of the verses and then a critique of it, and this is discarded. This is not uh, the. That's why I, I, I started with asking, well, that we would say, well, that's a good definition of, 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 of humanity. This being torn between good and bad. For the Talmud, isn't, it's not a good definition. Because animals can have the same. And now we get to two other opinions, which will be discussed, mainly the third opinion, but the second opinion is also put forward without being criticized, without being discussed. So we have two different Angles, two different points of views on the Vayetza, which we will study now. Yes. Uh, as you said, uh, and humans, is he trying to separate? Do you think uh, the the way without 
Torah, without Talmud, without Jewish ideas, what human, what, you know, if it, it's a reasonable, if, if there's no other animal besides humans that we would describe as reasonable animals or so on, then that's adequate for humanity to define humanity. That's what humans can be, but there's another level beyond that. I mean, it, it identifies every single person and no animals would be considered reasonable animals. And then with Torah, there's another level that is a new definition of what humans should be. I mean, there's the basic definition, humans are reasonable animals, but we can use reason for good or bad. Someone with Torah can only use reason for good. Or I would not go so far. It's not even necessary. But if he said something, the kind would say just the Torah teaches us another way of envisaging the human. Not that without Torah we cannot be this human which is not uh, an animal, or this human which is an animal, in fact, this reasonable animal, which is with an emphasis on animal. But Torah reveals us another, another modality of the human, another way of being human. Not those who study or study Torah, but then just the Torah teaches us another nature of, of man. How to, you know, to, to be, to fulfill this, this Surat Adam, this, this, this shape of, of humanity, this, this form of the human, that's another question. But, but there is another, another definition of the human, that's a teaching that the Torah, uh, and here, we, and that's what uh, gives us, and that's what we are studying now. Okay, so let's, let's now go to the, to the two other um, um, opinions. And the first one is the one of Rav Shimon ben Paz, who says the two yods must be interpreted the following way. Rav Shimon ben Paz says, said, said I'm on page 165, who is me because of my creator? Who is me because of my own evil inclination? And here, the, again, the, the rabbis are very, very inventive in terms of, uh, of, uh, of reading the, 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 the words by itself. And you know what? what you are looking like uh, um, complete. No, no, I'm listening. Okay. Vai, vai, vai is, I, know, I don't know what the English sounds. Woo is, I don't know what it means. I don't know what. Woo. Oh, it's like vai. It's like you know, you know the the Yiddish expression oy vai, oy veizmir. So that's that's what it is meant here, vai. And you see how again the the, the inventiveness of the of the chachamim of the sages is very great because they here now they they they, they kind of um, uh, separate the two parts of the of the word and they just create a new word, word vai yeser. Yes. Okay. Oivai, Oivai is mir, from Yitzri, from my inclination, from my natural, my natural uh, uh, being, and Oivai from my Creator, because Yitzri and Yotzri, Creator, and Yitzri is my 
my being created, the fact that I'm a creation, okay? My being a creation. Or, even more simply uh, translated, my being an inclination. From my inclination. So, Benpazi, Benpazi's definition of the human is one in which man is not torn between left and right, between the good and the bad, but between the higher and the lower. Whereas the first opinion, the one of Rab Nachman, was one in which the man was described, I would say, horizontally, okay, can choose between the good and the bad. The definition of Benpazi is one where man is defined vertically. Vailing Yotsri, Vailing Yitsri. I'm I'm torn between my my, be, my being as a creation and my creator. Here it's already a vertical relationship. Levinas, Levinas, uh, Levinas comments, Who to the creature, when I obey my creator, for in obeying my creator I am constantly disturbed by my creaturely nature, okay, if I if I, if I live accordingly to the laws of my Creator, I always feel that I'm sacrificing something to my being a creation, to my yetzer, to my inclination. But who is to me also when I obey my essence as Creator, my inclinations for the idea of the Creator that is His law spoils my pleasure in sinning. <laughs> That's a great uh, way of putting it. Okay? I'm, I'm a damn creature because when I'm doing God's command, then you know, I feel that, that, that something of me is being stolen by me because I want to do other things. You know, I don't want to pray, I want to go and uh, watch TV, I don't want to eat kosher, I want just to you know, eat an hamburger and you know, I, you know, I don't want to do all those things because I pay a price. And then he said that the other side is even more interesting in terms of phenomenology of religious, of religious life, Levinas said. But, if, but when, uh, and if I, when I'm sinning, when I'm sinning, well, sin is also has no taste. So, because, because I'm, because I, my creator is always like, haunting me, which always reminds me that, that I'm sinning. So there's no taste in doing the God's will and God's command, and there's no taste in not doing God's will and, the, and God's command. It's a very pessimistic uh, image of, of the human. Okay? I'm torn between, between my Creator and, my, and, my, and myself being a, being a creation, because whatever I choose, I, I, will, I will lose something. If I choose my creator, well then, then all my inclinations, what would I do with them? You know, I feel I'm, I'm just, you know, all the guys around, they, they play, they, they, have, they, you know, they, they enjoy life, etc., etc. And, and if I choose Yitzri, 
if I say, okay, so let's let's give my inclination the the whole, you know, the whole uh, the whole thing, then also I cannot sin without I I cannot be completely a creature because God spoils my pleasure in sinning. God, God is a spoiler. I am still torn, but this time not between the right and the left, as a sign of my freedom as outlined previously, but between the high and the low. The, specifically, the specifically human would be to be caught between my creator, that is the law he gives, gave me, and the existence. That's the second definition of the human, which is, which is not being challenged afterwards. There will just come a third uh, um, uh, opinion which we will see in a moment. Let's just read the, uh, the lines which are underlined on page 166 um, where Levinas um, gives a very concise formula of this, of this opinion of Benpazi. The drama of existence is not only that existence is divided into choices between desires, okay, the right and the left, the, the, the good inclinations and the bad inclinations, but that existence is also suspended between the law that is given me and my nature, <coughs> which is incapable of submitting to the law without constraint. It is not freedom which defines the human being, that's Rav Nachman's opinion, but obedience. And obedience has a very strange dynamics. This dynamics. I'm who of my creator and who of... Sorry, I'm not... Woe. Woe of my creator. Woe to the creature. Woe when I obey my creature. And woe when I obey my, uh, my inclinations. So man is not lying anymore, no, no, he's, he's on his feet, because he's, 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 he's torn between the high and the low, between his creator and his being a creation. And now we get to the most original um, and surprising reading of Bayitzer, which is the reading of Rav Yirmiya ben uh, Eliezer. Rabbi Yirmiya ben Eliezer, I'm reading on 166. Rabbi Yirmiya ben Eliezer said, again, and this is the third reading of Faitza, two faces did the Holy One, blessed be He, create in the first man. For isn't it written, you hedge me before and behind? You lay your hand upon me is the, is, is the second part of the verse, but it's not quoted in the, in the Talmud, so I just put it into in brackets. <coughs> the two youths now, again, third opinion, the two youths means two faces. 
in Aramaic and in Hebrew, do Tartsufi. Tartsuf in Hebrew is face. There are more commonly, face is panim. But Tartsuf is is a synonym in fact, and here uh, in our text it is referred to as partsufim, du partsufim, two faces. So now here we have a very, again, original, surprising image of the first Adam. Adam the first was created not with two inclinations, not with this kind of internal struggle between the high and the low, but here we have a kind of graphical description of the first Adam being created with two faces. Two faces. Du partsufim. Vayitza, this grammatical anomaly, this, this typing error, actually refers to the plastic aspect of Adam the first when he was created, he was created with two faces. Let's say one in the front and one in the back. What does this mean? What is this story? And here I want to do a close reading um, Okay, we'll, we'll start the reading, we'll, end it, uh, we'll continue it ne next week, I guess. Um, but we'll do a close reading of this paragraph because it is fundamental for understanding Levinas' Talmudic reading and what he has to say about, about the human. It appears very easy, but then I could totally be wrong. No, give it a try. It is so easy because if man... What is easy? What was you stated about um, man having two faces in the plastic aspect rather than um, the struggle between high and low, left and right? Mm -hmm. It's very easy to me, and again, I could be totally wrong because Just if man has no knowledge, then it totally explains it. And on the second creation story, when Eve comes into play, it was already. introduced here by saying the two faces. He also, the Midrash goes into like he's experimenting, you know, throughout all that period and then feeling alone, although he thinks himself, Eve already existed because Judaism is not part of that first story, but it's human. Because as, who is as that part? As a whole. So you're trying to now explain uh, Rav Yirmiya's reading by referring to the second uh, story of creation? I no, I'm not sure I got you. No, I'm it appears to be very simple to think of the two faces in terms of the first creation story. Yeah. Since there was no introduction of knowledge, meaning it's only later that this moving 
horizontally or vertically between high and low and, and good and bad is introduced right after thinning, not before. So it, it, it keeps it very simple here. <laughs> okay, we will see if it's simple or not, because I'm not sure that it's so simple. But again, I want to, to restate the, the, the comment I did before about, um, about let's say, the difference between the, the Talmudic text and the um, uh, text of the, 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 the Genesis text, okay, the, the Bible. Okay. The, the, the Talmudic text, the rabbis, the, the Chachamim, the sages, they have a very, very, um, let's say, it, not an idiosyncratic, but they, can, they, 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 they deal with this text in, a very, in, in their own particular way. When, when the rabbis when deals, when the rabbis deal with the question of what is human? Let's say that this is the question of the passage we are, we are studying now. Okay. Well, it, if, if we had to ask ourselves, what is, what is the image of, hum, of the human in the Bible? What, what would, would we do? We would open the Tanakh, we would read the story, and we would say, well, Adam was created in the sixth day of creation, and then it is said that, uh, uh, that he was alone, and then uh, God created a woman, and then uh, there was this tree, and then they sinned, and then, okay, so we'll just have a kind of re, re, retell the story of creation, and that's how we'll picture the nature of, of the human, as this, this, this creature who is alone, and then, it's, uh, and, and then we, who, who, who is, God provides for, for with a with a woman, and then he, he, he sins, and then he's expe expelled from the Garden of Eden, etc., etc. So, that's not the story that the Talmud is telling us. The Talmud is trying to think of the question of the essence of the human from a completely original perspective. They say, Vayitzel, there are two Yudim. There are two Yudim, okay? It's just an occasion in order to try to think out loud, to envisage hypotheses about the nature of, of the human. Nowhere would you find in the Talmud an argument such as, yes, but this verse comes before uh, the sin, and therefore, uh, you know, the, 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 it, it, it is about a man before having knowledge, okay? We are, we are maybe the, the rabbis are never dealing this way with, with verses. Verses are always interpreted in discrete manners, which means that, and here it's even not a verse, it's a word, vayitzel, it's a grammatical anomaly which is discussed here. And when, so I'm just now coming to your, to your commentary, when Jeremiah ben Eliezer is commenting on the, the two Yudim, the it's not, and you will see how Levinas give also a good argument for this, it's not reasonable to think that he's giving this account of the creation of the man in order to 
to to make this the, the story of creation more uh, more um, uh, compatible, more uh, uh, coherent. Thank you. Okay. The rabbis have no problem with the coherence of the text. They never try to make up for uh, things. They want to teach something. It's always about a teaching. And Levinas, Levinas um, will say, well, from, from the passage we have just read, it's obvious because in order to justify this idea that, the, that man was created with two faces, the Talmud does not go to, to this idea that uh, suddenly there was a woman or that, that, that God... No, they go to a verse in Psalms. They go to a verse in Psalms. And Divinas says, well, you know what? It would be very easy, it would be far more easier for the text, for, for the Talmudists, for Rabbi, Rabbi uh, uh, Jeremiah, to, to speak about man and woman, the creation of man and woman, to bring a verse about the creation of women and women, which we have. God created man, and he created man, male and female. Okay, that's a perfect verse for Jeremiah's opinion. We'd say, well, what does it mean that God created men, masculine and feminine? Well, they were two in one. Okay, Jeremiah goes to the Psalms. Probably, Jeremiah wants to teach something completely different. And Levinas says, and here is the daring proposition of Levinas, the, 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 the extremely interesting proposition of Levinas, Don't picture this image of man being created with two faces as dealing with the question of male and female. Nowhere here is it about male and female. Du partsufim, two faces, does not mean male and female. It means two faces. We are now at a stage of creation before the separation of man into a man and a woman. Let's, let, let's just read the first paragraph, you see how Levinas states it, and then we'll open for questions if there are. The first man has two faces, without there being a head of, of Janus, as you shall see. You know what's the head of Janus? Is this uh, head in mythology, this two-faced creature who can who has two natures in sense, and he can always lie because he can always change change appearances. Dupartufi is not hypocrisy. It's not that I have two. I'm two-faced. I can I can adapt two attitudes and hide uh, my real face behind a, a false face. I'm not a head. Of, it's not a head of Janus. And here is what I refer to. It is striking that it is that it, it has not occurred to Rabbi Jeremiah Ben Eliezer to quote the beginning of Genesis, where it is said he created him man and woman. Okay, this would be more more simple way of, of, of illustrating this image of two faces of Dubat Sufi. 
The two faces of the human being have as yet nothing to do with the two faces of the couple exclamation mark. The sages of the Talmud prefer Psalm 139 from which they quote, they cite, verse 5. This is the verse which would explain the unusual spelling of he created Vayetzel with two yuds when the word refers to the creation of man. Okay? So, so, so we still have this question what does it mean what does it mean that what what does it mean that God created man with two faces and Levinas emphasizes don't go and don't look for an answer in the in the question of man and woman it's not about man and woman it has something to do with psalm 139 So in order to understand the meaning of this Dupa Sufim, this meaning of man being created with two faces, we have to open Psalm 139. I'm I would have liked us to read Psalm 139. I prepared some text, but we have five minutes, and this will not suffice in order to read the text and then to pursue the the um, the comment uh, the commentary. So I propose we we finish five minutes earlier today, uh, or I just open for questions. We can we can uh, if you have more questions about what we have seen, and then next week we just jump in with the uh, psalm text and we'll continue the the reading. But we have still five minutes. So if you want, you can add your remarks or continue uh, questioning the text. Yes. Uh, related idea, uh, I'm going to give two ideas. One is that Levinas is directly responding to Greek uh, mythology of symposium. But not only, you also brought up earlier that the first paragraph deals with reasonable animals. Mm -hmm. So he's going through the Greek definitions of human. And so is the Talmud. So Levinas is correctly reading the Talmud, that the Talmud is also responding to a Greek threat to Judaism that was occurring, where they have to say, people are talking about the Greeks uh, having an idea of what humanity is and their definition of humanity. So the Talmud, without mentioning the Greeks, because it would be dangerous to mention the Greeks, and Levinas, without mentioning the Greeks, because even to him, it would be dangerous. But Derrida, or someone talks about that Levinas' whole project is to make the Greek and Jewish confront each other, face each other, and maybe go together in harmony. But in, in this case, it doesn't seem like it's in harmony. It's saying the Greek idea, we're going to throw out the first one, that man is just a reasonable animal. We'll throw out the second one, that male and female are created back to back, and then life is trying to find your perfect match. And the Jewish is even beyond and also different than the Greek. So. Yes, you can, you, can, you can do such reading. Now, it's interesting that Levinas does not, does not mention. mention it. The, for those who are not following, there is a famous uh, passage in Plato's Symposium, the dialogue of um, love, and uh, there it, it is um, one of the one of the 
uh, one of the passages in this dialogue is about um, about about the, this this creature which is which has two faces. Um, which was the first man? I mean, that's yeah, which was the first man, um, the, the the androgy. <coughs> okay, so there is a story in Plato, and it is an old story of Greek mythology. And then the story goes that man, that the human was created first with those as an androgyne. <coughs> there, there are two men and women are like back to back uh, together, and then they revolted against Zeus along the gods, and so the gods split them in two, and, they, and, and, and he separated the two, <coughs> because together they are too powerful, they can challenge the gods. Then he said to, him, to, to them, uh, uh, he warned them not to revolt again, again uh, against the gods, because if they revolt against the gods, then he will, he will um, split them another time in two. And then men would go on one feet, so it's a very funny story. And uh, and uh, and it goes on. And and here we have the, um, the story which is redundant. Uh, it seems to be redundant. So so that's that's the context. Now Levinas does not quote the symposium of Plato, right, so, uh, which he does. It's not man and woman. He's saying it's not the symposium just by saying that. But, uh, so you, you can do such a reading, but when Levinas wants to confront the Greeks, he does it, most of the time he does it explicitly. And in regards to the Androgynous, he does it in other places. He does it in a text called uh, Of God Who Comes to the Mind, he does it. Here he doesn't. That's why I'm just, I, I, I hear what you say, but, but it's not, not sure that he's d discussing with Plato here. We will see that he's discussing with tragedy, which with Phaedrus. So so it's with mythology with 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 he has here a dialogue but I'm not sure he's dialoguing with Plato even though your intuition is it's not can be right. Uh, about the Talmud I'm not sure they are dialoguing with Plato because it's really improbable that they knew Plato. Uh, at least uh, at least uh, so far as I'm uh, I know. Uh, but, but thank you for the for the comment. Other remarks. So we'll see you next week. Bring the text with you. Uh, we'll continue the we'll continue the review.